Tonight, for the remaining moments in this meeting, I want us to preach a gospel message on the dying words of an earthly king. Not that long ago, I was doing my readings in the morning, and I was in the book of First Samuel. And it was that phrase that gripped me in First Samuel chapter 15 and the verse number 32. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, or the word delicately mean, could, could be read cautiously. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And men and women, as I read that early one morning before I went to build blocks, surely the bitterness of death is past. I read it that morning and I thought, that's a gospel text I've never preached on. And as I built and built blocks that day, my mind was doing like a washing machine. It was going around and round. The thoughts of this man, Agag, coming to a man of God, coming to one who was so holy and so godly, and he came to him and he, he comes cautiously to him and he comes and he says, surely the bitterness of death is past. And tonight for the remaining moments, I want us to think of this this earthly king's last recorded words in the Word of God. King Agag's famous last words, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Who were the Amalekites? Well, we need to start and we need to dig and to find out who were the Amalekites? The first mention in God's Word in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 7 tells us a little about the Amalekites, but it's the second mention in Genesis 36 and verse 12 that it reveals to us that they were a descendant from Esau. Esau was the grandfather of Amalek. Esau was the grander of Amalek. Now Esau is described in the Bible as a man of the field. The Holy Ghost doesn't put these things in about individuals just to fill in a few wee pages in God's Word. Not at all. The Bible comes and the Bible shows us that this man Esau, he was a man of the field. And one day the Lord Jesus Christ in his public ministry as he's, he's bringing a parable and then he starts to tell the parable to his hearers. And he comes... And he says in the Word of God, in Matthew chapter 13, in the verse number 38, the field is the world. Jesus Christ comes and he tells his hearers in his day, the field is the world. Now how is Esau described as a man of the field? Esau was a worldly man. He was the granda of Amalek. Worldly. Then you see, men and women, as we know, or you should know, that Esau, how he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Esau thought so much about the blessings that he should inherit it as the older one. He thought so much about them that he sold them all and all his blessings for a mere bowl of stew. Sold his birthright. You might say to me tonight, preacher, David, what would a man sell all for a little bowl of stew? 
Can I tell you, sir, tonight, there are many people tonight in God's hell, God's hell, on the 15th of October 2023, and they'll never get out. And they sold their soul for far less. A dance on the dance floor. A night out with the boys. Alcohol. Sexual immorality. Bookies. Gambling. Here Esau was a man that sold his soul for a bowl of stew. And the Bible records regarding this man Esau that he was one. A man of the field, he was so worldly. He was one that despised his birthright and his blessings. Very interesting. The last recorded words about Esau. What it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16. It says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. That's the last recorded words in God's holy scripture about Esau. Lest there be one fornicator or profane person as Esau. Esau was profane. You say, David, what does that mean? The word profane means to be heathen. And fornication means, and you know what fornication means, to have the gift what God gave for marriage outside the bounds of marriage. And Esau was a worldly man. And Esau wouldn't have looked out of place in our society, would he? Boys, Esau would have done well in County Armagh. He'd have been right at home. Esau, the fornicator. Esau, the worldly man. Esau, the one that despised his birthright. Esau, the heathen. And yet tonight, Esau, the one that was so favored and the one that knew the truth, yet tonight, where is he at, men and women? And I'll tell you, you tonight, there's in God's house in Market Hill, Free Presbyterian Church, what would Esau give for one more opportunity? Sir, if you're in the meeting and you're not saved, not born again, and you've come in and you've come out and you've trampled the blood of Christ onto your feet for years, listen to me, what would Esau do to hear it one more time? He would give everything. The Amalekites, they were given over to the flesh. You see, the first, the first people that were to fight with God's people, and you'll read this in Numbers chapter 24 and 20, and I'm going to speak a little about it later, but in Numbers chapter 24 and 20, it teaches us that 
this outfit, the Amalekites, they were the first to war against the people of God. Where do we see them first coming? We see them in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. And it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. The first mention of, of the Amalekites fighting with God's people is in the book of Exodus chapter 17. The Bible says in Exodus 17 and 16, the Lord will have war with, them, with Amalek from generation to generation. You see, man and woman tonight, the Amalekites were a fleshly, worldly, sinful people. And tonight we're looking at the king of them, the king of the world. The king of the flesh, Agag. The Amalekites wouldn't look out of place in our society. But I want just for a few moments to, I believe you can see portraits of every sinner in the life of King Agag. And I want to show you first of all this evening the enmity between the two parties, sinners and holy God. I believe I can just take this little phrase out of God's Word tonight and we can see the portraits of every sinner through this man, King Agai. The first point is tonight there's enmity between the two parties. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he come up from Egypt. You see, men and women, tonight there's enmity between God and sinners tonight. The word enmity, it simply means hostility between two parties. And the reason tonight there's hostility between sinners and God is simple tonight. It's only because of one word, sin. Sin. That's why tonight... By and large, right across the world, right across Ulster tonight, men and women despise Jesus Christ. No wonder Isaiah used the two tense. He comes and he says, he was despised. And he comes and he says, he is despised. Men and women, there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus Christ, God's Son tonight, in Ulster and right across the land, he is despised. Tonight, if Jesus Christ came back to earth, they would still hang Him and put Him on a cross. They would still say that the crowd, away with Him, away with Him, crucify Him. We don't want this man to rule over us. Why? Because of sin. There's hostility. There's enmity between the two parties because of sin. And the reason why is because God has a great memory. God comes in His Word and He says in verse 2, I remember, I remember that which Amalek did. Now Amalek might have forgot about it. And the Amalekites might have forgot about it. It might have been out of their mind. It maybe was 20 years ago and they thought, well, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of men, they go worse and worse. Why? Because the hearts of men think they've got away with it. 
God comes and God writes in His Word and He says, I remember that which Amalek did. And tonight, if you're in this meeting house and you're not saved, can I say, sir, if you're not saved and you're maybe 50, 60, 70 years of age and you're not saved, you have a 70-year account of sin against you and you will not remember the sins when you were 20, 30, 40. But can I tell you, God Almighty remembers them. And no wonder God comes in His Word and He says, Be sure. Be sure sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. And your wife might not find you out. And your husband might not find you out. But God will find you out. God. Imagine... Imagine being in Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church tonight. Not saved. Not saved. Lost. With 30, 40, 50, 60 years of sin against God. Remember Job? Remember Job and God comes and He says about Job and God comes and he says, Hast thou not considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. None like him. And he comes and he says, He's one that fears God and escheweth evil. That's some testimony. He's a righteous man in the land. He's one that fears God and eschews evil. But what does Job say about his own self and his own life? He comes and he says, Job comes and he says, How much more abominable and filthy is man that drinketh iniquity like water? Job comes and he paints the picture of the sinner. And he says, How much more abominable and filthy is man that drinketh iniquity like water? And I'll tell you, if you're unsaved in the meeting and you've lived another week and you're here tonight and you're in this meeting house tonight, you've got a, a week last week and how much more sin have you added unto sin? And I'll tell you, listen, listen. The world promotes it and the world accepts it and the church is in it. But I'll tell you, if you're going to meet God, sir, if you're going out to meet God, I'll tell you sin is exceedingly sinful. And imagine standing before God, the holy God of heaven, where angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I'll tell you sin isn't to be laughed at. And that's why this book holds its word and it says, Fools mock at sin. Fools mock at I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, sir, or lady tonight, or young person tonight. If you die in your sin, your sin, before God. You see, man and woman, doesn't the Bible say, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God's word said, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I want to tell you what matter to the president of America. 
matter to the Prime Minister of England. God's not interested, there's no respect for persons of God. If you come and you're a sinner and you're sinning against God, God will hold you accountable. Turn with me, please, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Look what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. You see, there's enmity between the two parties, between God and the sinner, because there's a sinful past. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in the verse number 15. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and 15, that which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Read the last phrase again. And God requireth that which is past. Now when you've got your finger in Ecclesiastes, turn to chapter 11. Turn to chapter 11 and verse 9. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. And then all stops. But know thou, that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. I want to tell you, man, when we live in a society, it's easy thinking and easy believism. And we have our young people's whole zeal to like going to God's hell. And they're given over to immorality and pornography. They're given over to drugs. They're given over to abortions. They're given over to all the vices and all the sins that have come out of the very gates of hell. And tonight, they come. And the word of God says, rejoice, young man. Oh, young man, live it up. Live it up, young man. Walk in your own heart. Walk in your own eyes. Walk them ways. But know thou for all these things, God's going to bring thee into judgment. Enmity. Enmity. Secondly, what I see through this man, Agag, I see not only the enmity that exists between God and the sinner, but I see the condemnation of the sinner. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and the verse number 3. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 3, it says, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, and ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. I want to tell you, men and women, the condemnation of the sinner couldn't be clear. Spare them not. The word from the Lord to Agai the sinner was this. Spare them not. They're the enemies of the gospel. They're the enemies. They have hurt and, and hurt the people of God and fought against the people of God and have no time for the God of the people. No time. And judgment day is coming. Payday someday. Payday someday. God comes and he tells the people, spare them not. Saul, spare them not. Destroy all. 
Destroy them. I tell you, men and women, the same condemnation that was under King Agag that day is under you tonight. You say, David, what do you mean? Turn to the gospel according to John, John chapter 3. It's a familiar passage in the word of God. John chapter 3. Here was a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a rich man. He was a ruler. He was a religious man, but he wasn't a regenerated man. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't born again. And he didn't want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ during the day. Boys, he was scared to be seen with Jesus. Scared to be seen. I wonder tonight if that's what's keeping you back from being a Christian. Oh, what would my friends say? Old Harry Ironside said, Your friends might laugh you into hell, but they'll never laugh you out of hell. Your friends might laugh you into hell, but they'll never laugh you out of it. And here's Nicodemus, he comes at night time to meet the Saviour. Boys, he's rich. Member of the Sanhedrin. Boys, he's a ruler. And boys, he's a very religious man. He would do well in our generation. Sure, the country's full of them. You know how they call themselves, and I hit the term and I say it in the very promise. Jesus come to this man and tell him just keep up the good living business I remember preaching at the open air around springtime during our own gospel mission that me and another brother conducted in Castle Dawson and it fell that I was preaching for Portland Own Free in the open air that Sunday and I remember taking a text the Lord gave us a text during the week for the open air and it's in Luke 16 and verse 15. Now we all know the story in Luke 16. It is about the rich man in hell. But in Luke 16 and verse 15. The latter part says. That which is highly esteemed among men. Is abomination in the sight of God. That which is highly esteemed among men. Is abomination in the sight of God. Do you know what I preached on that, that afternoon? Three things that are highly esteemed among men. But God sees them as abomination. Number one, riches. <clears throat> the rich farmer. The rich man in hell. The rich young ruler. Number two, religion. Religion. Number three, righteousness. Highly esteemed among men. But abomination in the sight of God. And we're looking now at John chapter 3 verse 1. There's one by the name of Nicodemus. Oh he's highly esteemed among men. He's religious. He's got religion. But God comes to him and he tells him Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Ye must be born again. And he comes to him and he tells him the greatest story, the Calvary story in verse 14. And he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he comes and it was quoted tonight in the prayer meeting, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he comes to him and he says, Nicodemus, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. 
Without the word through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Hey God! Spare them on! Cut them off! Smite them! Jesus Christ looks at this man, this religious man, this man that's a ruler, this man that's highly esteemed among men, and Jesus Christ tells him, Nicodemus, if you don't believe, you're condemned already. And tonight, sir, have you sit in God's house in Market Hill, Free Presbyterian Church, and you're not a born-again Christian, you're sitting in a seat that's condemned. You're condemned. Ah, you mightn't feel it. You don't need to feel it. Jesus said it. Jesus comes and he says, If you believe not, you're condemned already. I'm telling you, woman, it's not a county court that has condemned you. It's not the highest court in this land that's condemned you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is full of grace and full of truth. The man said to Vance Hadley one day as he preached on hell and judgment and sin. He says, Vance, he says, Brother Vance, can you not give us more about the love of Jesus and don't preach as much about heaven and hell and judgment and sin? Vance looked at him and he says, It was the love when you meet Jesus that told me so much about heaven and judgment and sin. Jesus comes and he says, if you believe not, you're condemned already. I want to tell you, you go out tonight and you walk down that car and you go out that door and you go out that next door and you get into your car and you're not saved, you're condemned already. And one man in our prayer meeting tonight prayed these words, there is now therefore no condemnation. I want to tell you tonight, child of God, and you're saved tonight in this meeting, born by the Spirit of God. Thank God there's no condemnation. No condemnation. So listener be no good in that day. Barrister be no good in that day. Some bent judge will be no good in that day. Your money will be no good in that day. The title before you will no good in that day. Popularity, no good in that day. Jesus says if you're not saved, you don't believe in him, you're condemned already. Not only do we see through this man Agag, we see that there's enmity because God remembers your sinful past. And we see the condemnation of the, the sinner. Thirdly and quickly, what about the bondage of the sinner? Look what it says in our text in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Look what it says in verse 32. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 32. It says, Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me, Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Bring him hither. Bring him to me. Here's a man and he's held by sin. Totally held by sin. Held by He's in captivity to his sin. He's held captive by the devil at his will. Man and woman, don't miss the point. In verse number 8 in 
1 Samuel chapter 15, look what it says. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the age of the sword. Listen, there was only one spare. The Amalekites were totally defeated, totally punished, but there was one man that was spared, King Agag. Now you would think, would you not think logically that as this man seen the punishment meted out to his own people because they were enemies against God. Would you not think, as this man, maybe he's seen his family destroyed. Maybe he's seen his friends and his, and his workmates because he's a king. He's well thought of and well respected. Maybe this man, as he's watched thousands slaughtered and punished, rightly so, you'd have thought, here was a man. And he would have repented. He would have been the first boy that would have been saying, not me. Not me. They've all been killed, but I've been spared. Oh, Lord, spare me. Spare me. I'm in the land, and they've all been cut off, and they've all been punished because of their sin. Oh, Lord, I've been spared. Lord, forgive me. Save me. I don't see it. You don't see it. I want to tell you, men and women, the Bible's full of individuals. The Bible's full of individuals that were well warned. Well warned. And they should have repented. Remember Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher that ever lived. Spirit of God poured upon him without measure. And he comes one day and he's preaching. And he comes one day and he says to his ears, Remember! Remember Lot's wife. Remember this woman. Ah, she would do well in her society. She was given all over to LGBT. As I said to her brother Mervyn after the morning service, years ago we had a voice in the land. Now today the voice in the land is the sodomite agenda. And here's this woman Lot, and she's down in sin sick Sodom. And what happens here? God sends two angels. And God sees the sin. And he's sick of the sin. And God's going to come and punish the sin. And God sends two angels. Imagine all that. He hissens. And the angel comes to Lot. And he just takes Lot with a hand. And then the angel comes to his wife. And he comes to Lot's wife. And he comes. One of the other angels comes. And he goes. He just takes her with a hand. And they're walking out of sin, sick Sodom. Lot on one side of an angel and the other angel in the hand of, of his wife. And they're walking out in the word that God gives to this woman down in Sodom and Gomorrah. He comes and he says to her, Escape or thy life. Escape for thy life. And then he comes and he says, Escape to the mountain, lest I be consumed. And man and woman, we know the story that his woman, his wife, was full of sin. And she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And tonight she's in God's hell. And Jesus Christ said, remember. Remember that thing. Remember. He died, should have repented. Lot's wife should have repented.
Lord, with the own repentant feet. Oh, we let you hear the story of the lame thief. What about the one that didn't repent? I'm going to tell you, man and woman, he died in view of the Son of God. He died in view of him. They gazing upon the blood of Christ. Hearing the prayers of Christ. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He died in view of his companion trust in Christ. He died in view of the scripture above the cross. This man today is in God's hell. Why? Because sinners are in bondage to sin. Sin. What about the blindness of the sinner? Look at his last recorded word. Surely the bitterness of death is past. Really? Was it past? Cautiously, delicately, he comes up the side of the man of God, the man that prayed all night the night before. A holy man of God. You weren't in that man's presence. Woolly Nelly. And he comes and he says, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Past. But was it past? You see, man, when we live in a land that's gone heathen, you say, What do you mean? How many funerals? How many weeks have you been to? And it wouldn't matter how bad the boy was and how ungodly them, you're going to make him somebody and say, Okay, it's better for him. man he thought he had escaped death and he thought he had escaped judgment and he thought he had escaped meeting God and on see a friend we've got family members tonight we all have family members and they all think this and it was somebody else but the reality is we'll be there so 
thing. No escape. No escape from death. No escape from judgment. No escape from making God. This man, Agai, he was self-delusional. Surely the bitterness of death is past. No. No, Agai, it's not past. It's only starting to begin. I said earlier, I'd speak in Numbers, and I nearly finished Numbers chapter 24 and 20. It says, Balaam's prophesying, and Balaam says, and when he looked at Amalek, here's what he says, and when he looked at Amalek, he, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations. That's, that's what the phrase means. He was the first of the nations that warred against God and his people. Here's what he says. And Amalek knew this. But his latter end, his latter end shall be that he perish forever. Imagine this man comes and he speaks of Amalek and he comes and he says, his latter end will be that he shall perish forever. The Bible tells me in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 and 18 that he, he feared not God. Imagine this man going out to meet God not fearing God. He feared not God. And then Moses comes and he says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 29. Oh that they were wise that they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. Uh, you might go home tonight. You might say I'm preaching about a sentence it's a bit loud. I want to tell you I say it with all the love in my heart. Sir, if you die tonight and you go to God's hell, you will wish I had preached far louder. Far louder. The Bible says it. Oh, that they were ways that they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. The last words of an earthly king. What are the last words of the king of kings? Because Jesus Christ comes before he dies and he says these words before he dies. He comes and he says, It is finished. Hey, guy, the ungodly king, he speaks about the bitterness of death. What about the bitterness of the death of the Son of God? The Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, men and women, that there was nothing more better in life than the Holy Son of God leaving the bosom of his Father, the fellowship that he enjoyed to come to earth for seven person at time. And men hated him. And men laughed at him. And men mocked him. And men despised him. And he was made the song to the drunkards. And the men hated him. And they took him. And they nailed him hand and feet to an old rugged cross. They battered and they bruised and they bloodied the Son of God. How the Christ of God was battered and bruised and bloodied for you and me. 
How that the men would spit upon the face of Jesus Christ. How that men would lambast him and mock him and, and ridicule him. And they would cry away with him. And he was punished for you and me like not. His visage so marred. It literally means he was unrecognizable. They made long their furrows upon his back. They battered the Son of God. And then God the Father comes and Jesus Christ cries, My God, my God, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? Christ on the cross is forsaken and the three hours of darkness there on the cross has covered the world, is covered in darkness and Christ was punished for my sin and your sin. Christ's soul was made an offering for sin. And none of the ransomed ever knew how dark was the night that the Lord passed through. I want to tell you, it was bitterness in his death. Bitterness that we knew nothing about. But Christ went through and he bled and he died and he shed his blood. And thank God on the third day, he rose a living Savior. With one tonight that lives in the power of an endless life, who's mighty to see. I wonder what will his last words be to you. You see, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 7 and 23, he comes and he says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in me. Don't go out that door and reject the Lord Jesus Christ one more time. And don't think the bitterness of death is past, but flee into the arms tonight of Jesus Christ. Let's bow the word of prayer, please. <coughs> Jesus, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, we cry, Father in heaven, that thou would speak, Lord. Thou would save the lost among us, Lord. That thou would rescue the perishing, Father. We thank thee, Lord, tonight for the gospel. We thank thee, Lord, for the patience of God's people tonight in the preaching of this word. We pray now, Lord, that thou would come and save and come and restore and encourage us and build us up. Lord, take us now to our homes in safety. And write the word of God and hearts that need it tonight. Answer prayer and bring great honour and glory to Jesus Christ. Amen.